It's interesting to meet someone like Kevin Love, someone who you've seen on TV for a decade, you know, a basketball superstar, five-time all-star, NBA champion with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and to actually sit down with them and meet them. And you ask yourself, what is this person going to really be like? I found him to be a very authentic person. He's very thoughtful, very introspective, maybe to a fault, he may say, because he has wrestled with depression and anxiety. But I think he's gotten through a lot of that, and he really comes across as just a, as a nice guy. He talked about people who were very prominent, very high-profile people who struggled and lost their battles with depression, like Robin Williams, like Anthony Bourdain, like Kate Spade. And, you know, the real dangers that those um, problems pose to people who have these sorts of issues. And I think it's great that he's out there talking about these things, you know, because it's hard to do. It's hard to say, I have this problem, I'm dealing with it, and if you have this problem, don't be shy about getting help. I'm here with basketball superstar Kevin Love. Kevin, great to see you here. Thanks for having me. So the basketball season's over. The Warriors lost to the Raptors. Maybe I should say the Raptors won. Yes. What was your take on that series? Uh, I thought it was a great series um, due to some unfortunate injuries. I think that the Raptors were uh, able to fend off the Warriors, especially they did such a great job at Oracle, which is such a tough place to play. We went played four straight years there in the finals. And it's very, very tough to play at Oracle Arena. We talked about the fans before we came on here, but um, no, Kawhi, Kyle Lowry and the rest of that team, Nick Nurse coaching them, I felt they did a uh, really great job executing. Their defense was awesome. A number of guys stepped up. Uh, Marcus Saul, Pascal Siakam, uh, Sergi Baca stepped up, uh, Fred Van Fleet. A number of guys on that team really played their role and took it to a new level in the finals, which at that stage is not easy to do, especially being there for the first time. Were you happy to see the Warriors lose? Did it diminish your victory over them? No, I mean, I think uh, just knowing, I grew up with Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, as uh, I've known since I was 14 or 15 years old through the, uh, the AU circuit, uh, traveling basketball growing up. So I just wanted to see as a fan a, a great finals and being a fan, at least for the global growth of basketball. I think Adam Silver and everybody at the NBA offices have done such a great job with that, but just an international team and having international finals for the first time can only be great for the game and the global expansion. It's, uh, it's awesome to see, and you saw the parade yesterday. That was, uh, that was really special to see. One thing that marred the parade, though, was uh, shooting, I, I heard and that. the NBA has been uh, vocal uh, about ending gun violence. Um, did that sort of diminish it in, in your mind? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, obviously that's an unfortunate event, but I don't think um, uh, the city of Toronto should, should allow that to uh, put a damper on the day, even though it is tough. Um, I don't think one bad egg should be able to spoil the whole batch, but uh, obviously we wish for a, a speedy recovery. You never want to see something like that, but uh, I applaud. Uh, all the fans and uh, internationally all the basketball fans for, for making that a special day for them because I've, I've been in those shoes before. As we mentioned, the, the, the Warriors as well have been in that, those shoes uh, you know, for three of the years, and it's a special time, and it should be celebrated. Finals didn't get great ratings. Maybe that's because your in old Canada, teammate it did. Yeah. It did. <laughs> LeBron wasn't there. Maybe you weren't there. Um, so is the league going to you know, always need those huge superstars to get those giant ratings? Or the big cities, maybe that was another thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely big cities, big markets. It's uh, players 
run this league, I feel like, especially uh, premier players. But, um, you know, it is very tough to see uh, Durant, as we mentioned, go down. It's tough to see Clay go down. Um, uh, you know, but other players had to step up. Kawhi has been such a tremendous player in this league. I think his story, uh, after coming off from injury last year, having been traded um, uh, to Toronto and, and you know, coming through and winning the championship is a, is a great story. But, yeah, as far as ratings, I think it's, it's definitely a players-driven le- league and, uh, you know, that continues to uh, or needs to continue to trend in the right direction. What about this trade the Lakers just did to get Anthony Davis? Right. What do you think about that? Disruptive. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, on the other side of it, you have David Griffin, who is a general manager who, um, you know, actually uh, facilitated a trade for me back in the 2014-2015 season to get me on the Cavs. So I knew he'd, he'd do the best job. He'd get the best trade uh, and the best value possible from the Lakers. And I felt he did a great job to set up their future. But... On the Lakers side of things, um, speaking of disruption, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that tandem uh, bodes uh, moving forward because I think Anthony Davis is 26, LeBron 34, turning 35 at the end of December. And it's going to be, especially with the West now, the West is going to be wide open. There's going to be some of the teams there at the top, like a Denver, like a, uh, a Houston. But then with the Warriors, they're going to be missing two of, you know, probably the top maybe five or ten players in the league when you talk about um, Clay and you talk about Kevin Durant all of next season. So it's going to be really, really, uh, you know, powerful as far as we we mentioned those storylines throughout the season like Kawhi. Um, It's going to be powerful to see what happens. Uh, We have the draft this Thursday and uh, I think July 1 is the start of free agency. So that's what makes the NBA fun. There's a lot of you know, everybody has the 24-hour news cycles, and there's there has to be, you know, different things to talk about. But uh, luckily, and and thankfully for the for the NBA, there's just that constant, right. constant storyline with uh, a number of players and a number of teams. All right, we're going to jump around a little bit here, Kevin. What about Mark Cuban running for president? What do you think about that? I love Mark Cuban. So, uh, you know, I'm for. Was it 2020? Are we going yeah. Mark Cuban 2020, yeah. 2024? If you want. Yeah. Uh, no, it's. Um, uh, I think he's done. Uh, an, an amazing job, uh, at least as an owner uh, in the NBA. He's, uh, I know from that perspective, uh, I don't know, know if this translates, uh, you know, to running for office, but he ha- has done a really great job of, of uh, allowing players to be themselves while also being a, almost like a, a, a player's owner. We always talk about a player's coach, but yeah. he's, He's so heavily involved. He sits right by their bench. He travels with them to games. He makes sure they have whatever they need in order for not only longevity purposes, but for uh, that day. So I think some of that stuff actually does transcend into uh, everyday life and uh, the American people. But, uh, yeah, I only know him as a, uh, an owner of an NBA team and a team that's done exceptionally well. You go to Harvard Business School? Uh, I did, yeah. You it did? was the accelerated course. Yeah, okay, was when a, was that? That was uh, a few weeks ago, just after Memorial Day. What the heck was that like? And were other people in your class? There's some other NBA players or celebrities. Yeah, Tell it was, us about uh, that. Yeah, Luke Mbamute, Julius Randle, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, uh, Ciara, uh, just to name a few. Wow. Um, Tim Cahill as well, famous soccer star. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, uh, we got to uh, play student again. For me, that was, uh, tw- I guess. 12 years and a month ago, I would have taken my last class at UCLA. I was there for, 
probably nine months. I was an 18-year-old kid and or a 19-year-old kid. And um, no, that was special to be back in, in that setting and just trying to absorb and be a sponge for growth and learn as much as I possibly could in those four and a half days. You consider yourself uh, a business person at all yet? Are you getting into business? And what have you learned about business and how it's connected to sports? Sure. I think authenticity is huge. I think that that word is probably thrown around a lot. And there's, I think that's easy to say, but I, I feel like I've taken... And I've had a good team that's taken, uh, you know, what is authentic in me and what I really love. And that's, uh, you know, I would say being a mental health advocate as well as uh, um, uh, health and wellness. Um, I think it's uh, really diving into to, to diet and just I mentioned that word longevity, just making people better overall, whether it's. Uh, taking away chronic inflammation, whether it's people feeling every day in their body and mind uh, really, really good and just creating a uh, 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 really a platform for change and, and, and for the better moving forward, because uh, I feel like I've not only done that in my life, but have been able to affect people uh, in a major way and, and, and been able to elicit change. So, yeah, I think uh, moving forward, especially like I mentioned to you, I turned turned 30 in September, so I want to uh, you know, start looking at, at life after basketball, but not um, uh, know that nothing happens without that ball. You know, I've, I've played 11 season now, just ended my 11th season on, on April 9th and, you know, want to hopefully play, we talk about longevity, hopefully play up to 20 seasons if possible, but just try and, um, you know, continue to walk that walk as far as uh, being a, a basketball player and influencer in that way. Um, being an advocate for mental health as well as, uh, you know, a business person, but, you know, kind of in that realm because that all means so much to me and making people's lives better. So you maybe you're halfway in your basketball career. Yeah, I think lucky. it's a good balance. Yeah. Oh, halfway. Right. That's tough to say. I actually, yeah. speaking of Kevin Durant, I had a, uh, a conversation with him in, in Vegas. I think it was two summers ago or last summer um, where we talked about, uh, you know, him being, finishing his 11th year, so I guess it would have been last summer, and my, my, uh, me finishing my 10th year, and we, th we thought to ourselves, man, we've known each other for so long, and no matter which way you look at it, we're right at the cusp of, of being over the hill, if mm. you will. So he said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm likely not going to play 22 seasons. You know, you make, anybody making it to 20 is, uh, you know, really a, an unbelievable feat, but that's why I think both of us and a number of players in the league and it's you're starting to see a trend uh, earlier on in, in guys careers are starting to look at, at life after basketball right. and what they can get involved in it's amazing over the hill at 30 years old Come crazy on, right just in in, uh, in sports know, right. burning it at both but you've already uh, had a long career probably longer than the average nba player sure. a 10 i'm sure it's longer than the average yeah, right? i think it's uh less than five right it's between exactly. four and five can you talk to us more about your interest in mental health sure. and, and how you became uh, involved in that aspect well of I've, I've been somebody that's um, dealt with anxiety and depression my entire life and it wasn't until last year i had uh, an in-game panic attack and, and told my story uh, for a number of reasons uh, a, a few months later and that led me into starting my own fund the the Kevin Love Fund in, in uh, September of this last year that is all about inspiring people to live their healthiest lives while you know we're looking at and finding uh, ways to provide tools for physical and emotional well-being. So it's everything I mentioned. It's making uh, for any demographic because this thing doesn't discriminate. It's uh, making people's lives better. Better, and I think from an emotional standpoint, it's figuring out ways that we can um, uh, 
you know, push forward and elicit change in, in, in uh, mental health, uh, especially my sole focus and my target, just because I didn't understand it when I was young, would be, uh, you know, kids anywhere from like 6 to 18, that demographic. But I think it, it, it is going to be interesting to find ways to, to affect the masses while also uh, places near and dear to my heart. And physic physically, I think, uh, you know, I've seen it. Uh, whether it's been close friends, whether it's been family members, uh, whether it's been mentors, that chronic inflammation in your body, finding ways and, and, and physical uh, tools uh, in order to, to you know, help people not have to deal, deal with that everyday pain in their body. And, you know, that's surprising, always surprising when you hear about someone as successful as you sure. are that wrestles with demons because you always assume that people who've reached your station in life have no problems at sure. all. But that's not the case, right? It's not the case. I mean, there's three people that come to mind. It's, it's Robin Williams. Um, and he had all the success in the world, was, you know, one of the all-time uh, comedians. And, you know, he dealt with this every single day. Uh, Kate Spade, who, who uh, you know, felt that it would hurt her brand and, and took her own life. And then Anthony Bourdain, who, um, who I loved. I loved his show. I loved what he was about. He's universally well-liked. He traveled the world, got to ask the best questions. He ate the best food, uh, you know, had a beautiful family, and had kind of seen it all, done it all, yet uh, you know, he took his own life. And that, I think, just shows you that success is not immune to depression. There's a, a, a vast community and uh, this really transcends really any walk of life. And if you look at the numbers, it's pretty staggering with, with um, people of all ages and every walk of life that deal with anxiety and depression on a daily basis. And I always relate it to uh, and try to make the analogy of it uh, being like a weighted vest and, and changing that relationship with, with that weighted vest every single day. So I think uh, the thing I always tell people is I don't have all the answers, but it's become, and I feel like I've, in a lot of ways, found my life, life's work in, in finding different ways to maneuver uh, this, this process of finding out how to help people. You were brought up um, in sort of a charmed upbringing, really. Sure. I mean, you had a, a really cool uh, early, early part of your life, born in the LA area, your uncle was a member of the Beach Boys. I mean, people don't, some people don't know that. And then, you know, we're an all-star basketball player very early on. What was that like? And, and tell us about the Beach Boys a little bit as well. Uh, it was, it was a, uh, no, I had a great uh, uh, upbringing as far as, you know, being, uh, having a dad who played uh, in the NBA, the guy who uh, handed me the ball early on, had an uncle that was uh, in one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time and music. I, you know, it's timeless. I still listen to to this day. So it was a, uh, you know, definitely a, a childhood. And speaking of mental health, that you wouldn't necessarily think, okay, that's going to be the kid that, uh, you know, has these problems or, or has to deal with this on an everyday basis. And I think that's, um, uh, I know this is kind of diverting from, from uh, your question, but it, it's definitely... Uh, you know, something that a lot of people don't see and being in those moments, you, you just have, uh, you know, blinders on this whole time. And, you know, no matter what you're subject to or what you deal with uh, as a kid and, and how your upbringing is or where you grow up, it's, it's, it's going to affect you in, in one way or another. So it's either going to be internal or external. But, um, no, I did have a, uh, uh, an interesting childhood, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and then when you played at UCLA, you were there with Russell Westbrook for one, was. and there was that was there was a lot of pressure there, right? I mean, what was that like playing at that storied 
school. It was unbelievable. So I'd actually been able to develop uh, uh, some sort of relationship with John Wooden, especially before he passed. So that was, um, you know, very special and being recruited by UCLA really early on uh, in high school. I'd probably say my freshman year of high school. Um, and my dad, his, he went to Morningside High School in Inglewood, California, and Jim Herrick uh, was his coach. And he, uh, he had taken the 95 team to the national championship, the, the famous O'Bannon brothers, Tyus Edney hitting that, uh, I think it was 4.8 seconds to uh, head to the final four. And uh, it was just a, a really, I don't think there's a, as much a, a storied program as UCLA, all the national championships, all the incredible players, Lou Alcindor, uh, Bill Walton, probably the two best um, college players of all time. And then leading into that year where we had Darren Collison, Luke Mbamute, Russell Westbrook, where he wasn't a household name yet. Right. So it was going into the team that was ranked number one uh, in all of uh, Division One basketball. And uh, we made it to the Final Four, lost to a Derrick Rose Memphis team, first, first year all. 2008, number one uh, seeds had made it to the Final Four, and uh, we just couldn't pull through at the end. But I was very proud of that team. Did you talk to John Wooden? And if so, what, did, what do you remember about those conversations? Or what did you learn from him? A couple things. How, how sharp he was still uh, at 90-plus years of age. He was reciting poetry. Um, and uh, I can think of a number of – he really loved Abraham Lincoln. And he recited a lot of, of, of his poetry as well. I remember his, his wife, Nell, he had still put, um, you know, kind of her evening gown on her side of the bed in his uh, small apartment in Encino, California. Uh, I remember he had a, uh, you know, you have all the pillars like almost on this, uh, uh, you know, picketed uh, fence. And they would slide all the mail through there every day that he would get. Mm. Because he was just a, not only a world-renowned coach, but he stood for all the right things, had written uh, many books about um, not only his person, his family life, but what he had learned, a lifetime of observations um, and his pyramid uh, of success. So there was a number of things that I feel like I could talk to him. It could be a whole other uh, segment that we could talk about John Wooden for, but he, uh, no, he's a very special human being. And I look back on some of those photos and uh, with him and think that was that was a very special time. Yeah, I got to spend a little bit of time with him doing some interviews with some corporate executives and just the amount of wisdom that he could impart in just a sentence or two was really amazing. A very yeah, special person. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA, Kevin. And I'm, I'm curious as to your take on why you think the league has been so successful and where you think its shortcomings are. I think it starts with Adam Silver. Uh, I really do. I think he's, he's um, you know, taken his role as NBA commissioner and, and uh, I would say not only supported uh, the players in, you know, all of the meaningful stuff that we're doing off the floor, uh, but also uh, really pushed us and uh, accelerated us and catapulted us into uh, making change for good. I mean, I look at... LeBron James and his, uh, his I Promise School in Akron, Ohio, which is uh, helping kids not only get into college, but giving them uh, scholarship platforms where they're able to um, you know, take away some of the financial burden moving forward. And there's been so much uh, change in the greater Ohio area because of that, and I applaud him for that. But 
uh, whether it be mental health advocacy uh, and so on and so forth. I think the NBA has done a, done a really great job of that. And as I mentioned with uh, the first international finals, I think just continuing to grow the game and seeing where uh, those markets are for uh, expansion and uh, you know, moving forward with the, with the game globally is, is, is really huge. But I think Adam has done an exceptional job and, and you know, put people around him that have uh, allowed them to have a lot of success. And uh, I know that's on the other side of uh, what we do, the players, but um, I think it's, it's you know, finding that perfect marriage and synergy to, to help grow our game. And it's only uh, trended, been able to trend in the right direction, especially since he's taken over the helm. Should the season be shorter, though, because of the injuries? <laughs> what do you think about that? Just a few. I, I think it's, it's, yeah, an interesting concept, but they've, they've done, uh, again, done a great job of, of taking away three games or uh, uh, I would say three games and four nights, uh, back-to-backs. I think it went from anywhere from 22 to 24 to now, um, you know, 12 to 14. That number could be a little off, but um, I think that allows us for our bodies to recover. And we talk about longevity because without, um, I think with, with, that fighting that battle of attrition and seeing players every single night trying to perform on either heavy legs or, or tough travel schedules takes away from the product. And it, you have to start from the fan first and work your way back. So I think allowing us to, to be the best for the fans and being the best uh, version of ourselves for that NBA product on the floor is key. So I think they have done a great job. They've eliminated um, some of the uh, preseason games. Uh, they've started the season actually, I think, two weeks sooner now to help spread it out and allowed for at least when you make it to the finals. Now there's uh, another, um, excuse me, another game in between or another day in between games to allow players for rest because, uh, you know, as, as far as rating purposes and, and that product, I think that's very key. What have you learned about race um, being a white player sure. in a predominantly African-American league. Of privilege, yeah. I think it's um, uh, actually Kyle Korver, a teammate of mine and a good friend of mine, actually wrote a great article on the, on the Players' Tribune about being white in the NBA. And I think it is, I mean, this is a uh, predominantly black league. Um, and, uh, you know, African-Americans have, have grown our game in such an exceptional way in such a big way that, um, you know, you have to tip your hat and, and, and give the credit where credit is due. I mean, it's not just uh, the game of basketball, but um, popular culture and uh, expansion. And, um, you know, if you look at, you know, a guy like Magic Johnson, he's been able to uh, not be put into that box of being a just a basketball player. He's grown himself as a, as a business mind. He's grown, grown himself uh, even outside of, of being a player, being a, uh, a, a uh, you know, general manager, president, uh, CEO of many of his businesses. So it, it's, a, uh, no, it's a, a really interesting topic where uh, I'm really glad that, um, and it is appropriate that Kyle, because uh, he's, he's able to have those tough conversations and have, bring those subjects to light. I think that Kyle was, was the right guy to do it, and it's, it's very powerful coming from him. Right. Um, college players coming right into the league from high school, do you think that's a good thing? I think you're going to see it. I think it's going to be within the next three to five years. Um, uh, I believe that that's you know, a choice that, that players should have, uh, especially 
um, you know, when it when it's when you're able to attain, attain your goal at such a, an early age and you don't necessarily have to go through the whole process of going to the NCAA. But then I look at a guy like Zion Williamson and he got to be mentored and, and coached by Coach Krzyzewski, who I have uh, was able to play. Uh, I was with USA Basketball in 2010 in Istanbul, won a world championship. And in 2012, uh, Olympic gold medal uh, in the London Olympics. So that I think is a beautiful thing. I, uh, I would have had the opportunity to go um, straight from Lake Oswego High School to the NBA when I was 18 years old, but I got to play under Ben Howland at UCLA, got to uh, make lifelong friendships and uh, at least have a, a small impact in that, in that year at UCLA on the university. So, um, you know, it's tough for me to say that, uh, you know, that, that um, you know, I wouldn't have gone to, to college, but it, when you have that opportunity, like most sports do, maybe outside of, uh, of football or the NFL to uh, achieve your dream and start, you know, making money for not only yourself, but to be able to take care of your family and, um, you know, start building your business. I think it's, it can be really powerful, especially at that age. And um, I think Adam Silver and the league are going to do the right thing. You seem to be a fashion guy a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. Interested in that. You worked uh, as a Banana Republic style ambassador, sure. right? Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I'd worked with Banana Republic for what, four, I think it was four years. And um, that relationship continued to evolve. And they're, you know, a classic American brand. So I think it really, we talked about authenticity, just really fit who I am. I had people um, that, that understood uh, who I am, as well as, um, you know, kind of where I wanted to go. I was uh, in that uh, relationship, continued to grow into where I, I was able to uh, make my own capsule co collection uh, this last uh, fall, which was very, very special. Um, now you got a place in New York, too, now, where you're, like, in the well, center yeah, of all the Well, yeah, that's where I put all the stuff now, right? right? <laughs> yeah, so, no, I just, uh, yeah, just uh, moved to Tribeca, and uh, this will be the first summer, uh, the last 11 off seasons I had um, lived in L.A. and trained in L.A. And now I finally transitioned at 30 years old to, to New York. So I found all the places where I'm going to work out and train. Grown up and moved to New York. It's like, who's that tall guy walking around yeah, Tribeca? I think it's, you know, right? I kind of yeah. put my hat down no, they, and move They're New freely. Yorkers. They don't bother they people. Don't. You'll see. They don't. You'll see. Let's do a lightning round of okay. some questions here. So what would you say to someone who is struggling with life or career challenges? What advice would you give them? I would just say, um, God, we're, uh, I got a whole laundry list of yeah. things I could say. But, no, I, I always say speak your truth. Um, Nothing haunts us like the things we don't say, and that was something that I wish, at least from uh, when I was younger, I wish I would have uh, had, the, had that just embedded in my mind because there were so many things that I held on to when I was young and have been able to, um, whether it be through therapy or just um, you know, th through friends that had missed it, um, you know, just being able to, to speak my truth, and it's, it's pretty liberating. So I would say... Um, yeah, fight your fights like you live your life. I mean, there's a hundred things. I don't mean to sound like cliches. Yeah, Leave the other 99 that. on the table. <laughs> right, okay. but no, it's a, that's right. a, yeah, a number of things I could All say. All right, about. biggest challenge in your life and how you overcame it and learned from it. You may have spoken to that a little more. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that just goes with the, uh, um, you know, there's, I think injuries are a part of sport as well. I could go another way, um, you know, whether it be my, my shoulder and, um, um you know, having to deal with uh, overcoming 
you know, injuries in, in sport, but also uh, dealing with the loss of my, my, uh, my grandmother was tough. That was, you know, I never allowed myself to go through the, uh, the grieving process. I think everybody experiences loss at some point in their life, but when you couple that with, um, you know, dealing with uh, every single day that, that anxiety and, and um, you know, those bouts of melancholy or depression, uh, if you don't deal with that in the time being, it can it can send you down a, a nasty spiral or a, a slippery slope. Okay. Biggest role model, what did you learn from them? And what kind of person should you look for in a role model? Um, I think there's been a few. I, I, I think one of them is probably my, my agent. He always tells me, okay, I'm going to speak to you as my friend, as your friend uh, or your agent, and then I'm going to speak to you as your friend. And I think he's he's been uh, definitely a, a mentor-like figure to me. He's um, Who is that? Uh, Jeff Swartz okay. is his name, yeah. right. and he uh, has a beautiful family, beautiful wife, uh, three daughters, and he's been somebody who has, you know, kind of shown me the way, and uh, you know, I guess lives his life. Who, who's to say in the right way? But for me, it's it's kind of who I want to aspire to be. And then a former teammate, James Jones. He's uh, now the uh, president and general manager of the Phoenix Suns, and um, you know, he's been somebody, another, uh, you know, beautiful wife, great family, uh, three kids that, uh, you know, definitely aspire to be as well because he, he seems to have done all the things the right way. And even at his age, mid-30s, he just seems to have all that, that wisdom that uh, takes a lifetime to acquire. Okay. Life is full of supporters and haters. What would you say to someone who is impacted more by the haters than the supporters? Um, uh, you know, that might not even be true. I think it's you, you kind of seek or you find what you want to find. Your eyes are, it's funny, you could hear, you know, a hundred good things, compliments, praise. But if you see that one person that's, you know, just wants to see the world burn or wants to be a keyboard warrior, you tend to focus on that. So I think it's just quieting your mind, taking, you know, six deep breaths and, uh, you know, understanding that, um, you know, it's think about things in terms of intent. I think when when so many people, there's so many talking heads, and uh, people want to get into your brain, you just you have to find a way to not uh, allow them to do that because that's their own version of their dream and their life. It's, it has nothing to do with you most of the time. So you can't always listen to Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I like Stephen A. I, I like I like his role that he plays because he. I think he. Uh, I mean, that's a we talk about growth of the game. It's a big part of. Why we have these, uh, you know, massive contracts and TV contracts is because, uh, you know, you have these, for lack of a better term, talking heads that are, are passionate about what they do. They, yeah, will kind of be high and low as far as praise and as far as beating people down. But, um, no, Stephen A. Has, has been around for a while. He is actually a talented person. And he's, a, he's actually a, a great dude. If, right. you're, if you catch mm -hmm. him, uh, you know, away from being the Stephen A. that we mm -hmm. see on camera, he's an, an awesome, awesome dude. That's great to hear. Last question, yeah. Kevin, and that is this show is called Influencers. And so I'm curious, how do you see using your influence on the world? Yeah, I think a lot like I mentioned with, with Magic and a lot like I mentioned with the, uh, the players today in our game, uh, just to being able to uh, use our reach, use our platforms, our social influence and, and the glo global game, there is so much positive uh, that we can uh, push forward in our everyday life, whether it be uh, you know basketball, pushing kids into sports, whether it be um, uh, education, like I mentioned with LeBron, whether it be you know getting your body moving or, or taking care of your brain uh, at an early age, or 
um, you know, because basketball kind of transcends any age too. So I think it's it's we have a, a massive platform to be able to to influence a number of people in this world, and um, we're not put inside that box, uh, especially you know from Adam Silver and everybody at the league. They push us to do great things, not only on the hardwood but uh, outside of that. And I think it's it's only going to continue to trend in that direction and, and be a special time for for. Uh, not only NBA players, but athletes all around. Cleveland Cavalier basketball star Kevin Love, thanks so much for coming by, Thank Kevin. Thank you. Appreciate you. You've been watching Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Influencers. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Yahoo Finance on Twitter at Yahoo Finance and at Serwer. Thanks for listening to Influencers. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Yahoo Finance on Twitter at Yahoo Finance and at Sirwork.